You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. Guccifer 2.0, sock puppets, and fancy bears. Oh, my. Insights on machine learning, new revelations about Stingray surveillance devices, and Snowden lands in U.S. theaters. I'm Dave Bittner in Baltimore with your CyberWire summary for Wednesday, September 14th, 2016. The bears are busy again, or at least Fancy Bear is. More documents swiped from the U.S. Democratic Party were released yesterday at the Future of Cybersecurity Europe conference in London. The documents were released with the appropriate stagecraft of hacktivist anonymity. The hacker or hackers addressed the conference, Russia Today reports, through, quote, an unknown and remote transcriber, end quote. The 500 megabytes or so seem to contain mostly information about party donors and some information going back to vice presidential candidate Kane's tenure at the head of the DNC. We should also note that the hackers continue to represent themselves as Guccifer 2.0, which most people outside of Russia today regard as a sock puppet for Fancy Bear. In any case, Guccifer 2.0 is quite miffed that people think he's or she's really Russian intelligence. It seems unfair to him or her that the Russian organs are getting credit for all that great stuff. So, he or she is angry. But, quote, then I realize the deeper they go this way, the safer I am, end quote. That's what Guccifer 2.0 concluded with a smiley emoticon. Fancy Bear also seems behind the doxing of the World Anti-Doping Authority, or WADA. Medical records and drug test results for various Western athletes were released. Russian authorities have been displeased by the disqualifications of Olympians for alleged doping and by the general cloud of suspicion that hung over its team in Rio this summer. The documents released don't appear to show anything terribly scandalous, but the hack was done in a clear spirit of U2. ABC News, in reporting on the incident, says the threat actor calls itself Fancy Bear, but that's not exactly true. CrowdStrike called them that, and the name stuck. Fancy Bear probably calls itself the GRU, only in Russian, GRU, like that. U.S. officials continue to worry about election hacking and appear, we heard at the Billington Summit yesterday, to have settled on a policy of offering help to state and local authorities without designating voting critical infrastructure or federalizing elections. There's a new threat at the ATM. Krebs on Security reports that the U.S. Secret Service is warning people against periscope skimming, a new technique in which a specialized probe connects to an ATM's internal circuit board and accesses card data from there. Machine learning continues to grow in importance as a tool for detecting and mitigating cyber attacks. We checked in with Raj Kapalakrishna, chief software architect at Acalvio, a company that offers advanced threat defense, for his take on machine learning. So machine learning is basically, uh, you know, uh, various algorithms uh, that, uh, that have been designed over the last 20 years 
which help us uh, solve certain very complex problems. And today they're being largely uh, used, in, for example, in recommendation engines when you buy something on Amazon. It looks at people's behavior and purchase patterns, who has bought this item before, and gives you a recommendation. That's an example of a, of a machine learning algorithm. And how does this extend to the cybersecurity realm? So, so the thing is that in the cybersecurity world, for the last um, uh, couple of decades, I mean, lot, all the solutions, most of the solutions in the market, were basically made up of rules, you know, it's where you can set some policy, say don't allow this, block this, whitelist, negative list, blacklist, things like that, right? So there's too much of work for humans. And it was very error-prone and very slow. And, uh, and, and it only went back to what you know as opposed to looking at what you don't know about. So machine learning is now being widely started being adopted uh, in the security domain, cybersecurity domain. You don't need a human being telling it a rule. It can actually derive and make its own rules as things move along. With machine learning, can the machines actually come back to the user with, uh, with new creative insights? Absolutely. So it can take a lot of different data and, and, and give back feedback and saying, this is something I've never seen. For example, anomaly detection. So they look for behavior of a human being, for example, on a machine. This machine, typically, this laptop or server, tends to uh, send this type of this amount of uh, data on a typical day or a typical hour in the day, and now they start baselining that. And and now the machine learning algorithms can start learning that automatically when they watch the data, let's say for a month or or a few weeks. And now they exactly know what is normal on on Monday morning at 9 a.m. on this laptop or on this network or on this website. So they know. So something looks different, they immediately can flag it and tell you, this is anomalous, this is unusual, I didn't expect this. So do you want me to do something about it? So so those are all examples of how people have started using it. So can, can the bad guys use machine learning to streamline their operations as well? Absolutely. And uh, machine learning is, of course, uh, you know, requires a lot of theoretical knowledge. Uh, so in my team, for example, we have people with PhDs who have done just that in, in machine learning and data science for for seven years, and <laughs> so it's a lot of math involved and a lot of uh, and and then there is domain knowledge. So if, if they're willing to invest the time, certainly they can. Have there been any examples of that happening that we've seen out in the wild? Uh, uh, there's been a little bit of that, you know, but uh, for example, uh, they try to learn what the attackers are looking for in reputation services, and they're trying to confuse it. And, but not a whole lot. I'll say not a whole lot. And it's still early days uh, in the security space. I think just only a four or five in the parts of the security space started using the machine learning. Because it's because it's such a, a difficult domain, but very powerful. That's Raj Gopalakrishna from Acalvio. In the U.S., Congress is again taking up surveillance legislation. The intelligence community, including the NSA director, this week testified in favor of strong encryption. The U.S. government is also mulling some reorganizations to its cyber agencies, among them the possible separation of NSA and Cyber Command. Senator McCain says he'll block that particular reorg. And the possible separation of NSA itself from the Department of Defense. Defense Secretary Carter is said to be considering if NSA might not be better off as an independent agency like the CIA. Finally, Edward Snowden says he thinks he deserves a pardon, that his leaks did a lot of good. President Obama appears to dissent from this view strongly, but then he might not have seen Oliver Stone's eponymous Snowden flick. Wired has, however, and they've got a review. Read the whole thing if you're not averse to spoilers, and in this case, why would you be? 
The reviewer suggests the film has a clear point of view. It, quote, takes about 90 minutes to bleach out the last shades of gray in its black-and-white biopic, end quote. So, not as complex a narrative as, say, Captain America Civil War, or so the kids tell us. On the other hand, the kids would like City Escape from Sonic the Hedgehog to become the national anthem. Oh, these kids today. And now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. And joining me once again is Ben Yellen. He's a senior law and policy analyst at the University of Maryland Center for Health and Homeland Security. Ben, you and I have been keeping our eye on these uh, these so-called Stingray devices, these cell phone tower simulators. Uh, there's been a couple of developments lately when it comes to Stingrays. Uh, bring us up to date. Sure. So last month, uh, a group of civil rights leaders here in Baltimore complained to the Federal Communications Commission over the Baltimore police's use of this technology known as Stingray. And we've talked about this before, but these are cell site simulators. So law enforcement sets up devices that uh, are able to trick phones into revealing uh, location identifying information. The use has been particularly widespread in Baltimore City, and I think because of the potential that it's being used disproportionately in some minority neighborhoods, and because it's actually led to a significant number of arrests, there, there has been that concern. So we're not exactly sure how the FCC is going to come down on this. Uh, the, the case is still pending, so the FCC hasn't comment, commented necessarily, uh, but this is an interesting development in, in uh, civil rights groups trying to use the regulatory process to perhaps curb the use of this uh, this law enforcement tool. And then uh, the, the other recent development I think is perhaps even more interesting. Uh, earlier this week, there was a manual released from one of the manufacturers that produces these so-called Stingray devices, and that's uh, the Harris Corporation. And this is a, an, an operator's manual? This is an operator's manual, that's correct. And it was revealed... Uh, you know, parts of the program had been revealed under previous Freedom of Information Act requests, but there had been a lot of redacted information. Uh, but this week, uh, 
the manual was leaked to a website known as The Intercept. That's the website you may be familiar with that's run by Glenn Greenwald, who was, um, or at least run in large part by Glenn Greenwald, who was at the center of the Snowden disclosures. And it revealed some pretty staggering uh, information about how these Stingray devices work. They're particularly powerful. I mean, uh, one of the things that was revealed is that the device can impersonate up to four cell uh, towers at once, and it can monitor up to four provider networks simultaneously, and can also monitor 2G, 3G, 4G uh, communications. And I'm sure, you know, as the technology changes and we get to 5G, this technology will adapt as well. Based on the manuals provided and some of the analysis I've seen, is it looks like it's relatively easy for law enforcement to use on a wide scale without any particular uh, particularized technological knowledge. And that presents significant civil liberties concerns. Uh, we saw a Maryland court earlier this year say that people uh, should have a reasonable expectation of privacy that their location is not going to be revealed to uh, these cell site simulators, meaning that uh, law enforcement is going to need a warrant, potentially, uh, to, to do these types of searches. Uh, the highest court in Maryland hasn't yet come down on it, but I think it's going to be crucial that uh, there's some finality to this decision now that we know uh, the scope of information that can be retrieved from these devices and how easy they are uh, for law enforcement to employ. I guess what always puzzled me about this is that you know presumably any cell phone uh, and any cell service provider needs a license to set up their towers. Uh, and so you would think even law enforcement w wouldn't be allowed to, you know, set up a, a rogue transmitter receiving device that that the, the sole purpose of it is interfering with the, the flow of information on a, on a regular cell tower. Right. So there is this sort of uh, interesting principle, and I think this cuts across various area, areas of cyber law. The government is sort of its own entity. And some of the tactics that are legal in the private sector are... Uh, and, and that require licenses in the private sector, uh, the government is often immune from those if they're using them for uniquely government functions, such as uh, you know, law enforcement or domestic security or international surveillance. So I think that's something the FCC is going to have to grapple with. Is this a unique circumstance where the government needs a unique capability uh, and you know, something like revealing that they're getting these types of licenses might hinder their, their law enforcement services? Or do they not get a pass and do they have to go through the same rigorous process that uh, all the other uh, cellular providers have to go through? So I think this is an open question for the FCC. All right, Ben Yellen, we will continue to keep an eye on it. Thanks for joining us. Struggling to secure on-prem apps with modern identity? Don't worry, you're not alone. Join industry leaders from Fortune 500 organizations to secure your apps on any cloud with any IDP, regardless of your environment's complexity. Meet Strata's identity orchestration platform, Mavericks. Say goodbye to the headaches of app refactoring and legacy tech debt. With identity orchestration, you can modernize legacy apps to use MFA or passwordless authentication in a few weeks, migrate from one IDP to another, and so much more without changing the app. No matter your IAM use case, Strata extends the value of your current identity investments. And the best part? You can try it for free today. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire to share your biggest identity challenge. 
and they'll hook you up with a complimentary pair of AirPods Pro. Don't miss out. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire. That's strata.io slash cyberwire. And that's the Cyberwire. We are proudly produced in Maryland by our talented team of editors and producers. I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. Hi, everybody. It's Maria Varmazas here, your host over at T Minus Space Daily, and sometimes a guest on Hacking Humans, too. We here at N2K CyberWire work hard to bring you concise, intelligence-driven news and commentary, and we'd like to know how we're doing. Please take a few minutes to complete our audience survey and share your feedback to help us continue to grow and meet your needs. Visit cyberwire.com survey. That's cyberwire.com survey to get started. Thanks so much for your input as we reach for the stars. It means the universe to us. Mm-hmm.